Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kira Mack, as always, and delighted you've been able to tune in with us yet again for today's show. Now, before we do get into the top four stories doing the rounds here in Thailand, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and give us an all share on social media if you can. Now, if you like listening to us on a podcast player, there's a link down below in the description where you'll find all the available podcast players where you will find this show. And finally, if you get some value from the show, if you like the show, if you want to support the show, or simply want to buy me a coffee, there's a link down below in that description yet again for buymeacoffee.com, and you can do it through that website and for all the people who have bought me a coffee i want to say thank you very much they were very tasty so now that that's all done and dusted we're going to jump into the top four stories doing the rounds today and of course one of those stories will be about the recent thai election but we'll get into that in a couple of minutes so firstly phuket tourism set to take a bigger hit Foreign arrivals to Phuket may plunge to a lower than expected level during the upcoming low season due largely to the slowdown of the Chinese market and the bankruptcy of an Indian airline. Tenet Tanapakaki, president of the Phuket Tourist Association, said the temporary closure of Phuket International Airport from 1am until 7am until the beginning of July would hinder flight expansion, particularly from China, which had typically been prioritised for this time slot since before the pandemic. In light of this, he said China could only rebound by about 30 to 40% compared to the low season in 2019, as travelers could only depend on about 40 available daily flights from China during the day. The bankruptcy filing of the low-cost carrier Go First last week might affect overall flight capacity from India as the airline offers scheduled direct flights to the island. Mr. Tanet said the overall tourism market in Phuket is expected to see a recovery rate of just 50% compared with the same period in 2019. Now, according to the Phuket Immigration, Russia, China and India were ranked as the top three markets here in April. Russia accounted for about 63,000 visitors, followed by China, for, who had about 46,000, and India with 24,000. To compensate for the potential decrease, Mr. Tanet said tourism operators are pivoting to the Middle East Eastern markets such as Saudi Arabia, as tourists from that region tend to travel overseas following Ramadan and Hajj pilgrimage. Moreover, Thailand is already a popular destination during the rainy season amongst tourists from this region. There are also new flights connecting Bangkok with Saudi Arabian cities and major aviation hubs such as Qatar and Dubai. Now, Mr. Tanet urged the Tourism Authority of Thailand to continue its aggressive marketing expansion to expose Phuket to more Middle Eastern and Asian markets in order to fill the capacity once the airport fully reopens. To maintain the Chinese market, he said related authorities should deal with the impact of fake news concerning unsafe vacations in Thailand that had circulated on Chinese social media platforms. He added that the government should put stringent measures in place to eliminate nominee businesses and zero-dollar tours, which damage tourism centers and the reputation of Thailand. Mr. Tanet said the association would also look for new opportunities emerging with the new Chinese Lao high-speed train by targeting high spenders from those two countries who visit Phuket after stopping at Udon Thani and Khan Ken. So it looks like it's going to be a little bit quieter than they had anticipated here in Phuket. I guess when you close the airport basically for six hours at night time during the busiest period for Chinese flights. And it's not just Chinese flights. There's a lot of Korean airlines that are flying into Phuket as well late at night. So it is affecting them too. So you are going to start to cut your capacity. I'm not... I haven't seen the story as to why. I presume maybe it's something to do with the, the runways. I'm not quite sure, but I will follow up and try to find out why the airport has been closed. I missed that in the news. I don't know why. But nevertheless, that 
seems to be something that's going on. Now, this guy from the Phuket Tourism Association, he's talking about this fake news about uh, unsafe holidays for Chinese people. Well, it's not fake news. Firstly, we'll talk about unsafe. Unsafe, renting a motorbike here in the island with the amount of people being killed on the road daily and the amount of accidents occurring. Uh, yes, it's unsafe. We also have the issue with Chinese nationals being abducted, kidnapped and held for ransom. That is not fake news. And they're the things that are circulating on social media in China. So I think rather than try to say we need to try stop and deal with all this fake news is to admit the problem, deal with the problem, solve the problem, and then the problem will be fixed. What he wants to do is come up with a way that you can muzzle people from sharing actual news and not actually deal with the issue, which is a very Thai way of doing things, by the way, is if you ever know here in Thailand, everything's always a misunderstanding and nothing ever gets solved. That's exactly what happens. And that's what he's kind of proposing with his words and in this interview. But nevertheless, I do hope things do get better for Phuket and other parts of the Thailand. I know they're talking about Phuket here, but, you know, other parts of Thailand do need tourism. Pattaya, you know, Hua Hin, Chiang Mai, especially Chiang Mai have had a terrible time because of, you know, the PM 2.5 over the last six months. So they've lost a lot of business and people are hurting up there. So, you know, if you're traveling around Thailand, if you're thinking of coming to Thailand always go and check Chiang Mai out the people up there deserve tourism and they you know they need your help at the moment now we are going to move on to the next story which is basically the top story today historic win for the move forward party but it's going to face hurdles and we'll talk about that after we go through this article the Move Forward Party bid to form a governing coalition may not be plain sailing after a number of senators made it clear they will not support its prime ministerial candidate. Under the constitution, the 250 member appointed by the now defunct National Council for Peace and Order, that's the NCPO or the Junta, are allowed to join MPs in electing a prime minister in parliament. It will be the second and last time they will co-elect a prime minister after Sunday's election. In 2019 election, they joined MPs in voting for general prior Chanacha to become Prime Minister, and we all know what happened after that. MFP leader Pita Limjaranrat on Monday announced a plan to form a coalition government comprising five former opposition parties and one new party with a combined 310 MPs and himself as Prime Minister. Mr. Pita made the announcement after the election commission declared the MFP as the winner of the most seats in Sunday's general election with 152 MPs, 113 from constituencies and 39 from the party list. He said he took the victory as a mandate from the people for his part to be the leader in forming the next government. Mr. Pita said he called Pitong Tarn Shinawatra a Putai by ministerial candidate and congratulated her for her determination during the campaign and invited her party to join a coalition. Ms. Pitong Tarn in return congratulated Move Forward and said the media should be informed that the two parties had talked in the interest of transparency, he added. The three other former opposition parties he had contacted were Thai Sang Thai, Pracharat and Siri Ruam Thai. The five parties won 309 MP seats combined. Mr. Peter said he was contacting Kentam or the Fair Play Party, which had one party list MP to join the coalition. He said it was a party which had worked hard for peace in the three southernmost border provinces. The six parties would have 310 MPs in total, enough to be a majority government, he said. We would form the government as soon as possible so that there will not be a political and economic vacuum. Please be assured that Move Forward will be fast and meticulous, Mr. Pita said. Asked whether Move Forward were worried that senators would not vote in support of the coalition to meet the required 376 votes of endorsement for Prime Minister, Mr. Pita said he was not concerned about it as the party has a mandate from the people. 
However, Senator Jadad Insawang said that upon assuming the post of a senator, he took an oath to protect the constitutional monarchy. The MFP and Mr. Peter once announced that they would scrap Section 112, the less majeste law, which will affect the monarchy. This is unacceptable, he said. If the MFP gathers the support of 376 MPs, more than half of the 750 members of the lower and upper house, there is no need to seek the Senate's support for a prime ministerial candidate. But if they only get 309, they'll have to. For me, if Mr. Peter, the MFP Prime Ministerial Candidate, is nominated for a vote in Parliament, he won't get my vote, Mr. Jadet said. Another son, uh, senator, Senator Kitisak Ratawara, said that the senators would look at the qualification of any prime ministerial candidate nominated for a vote in Parliament. One of the qualifications is that the candidate must be loyal to the country, religion and the monarchy, he said. He went on to say that it is premature to comment on the makeup of a coalition government. Senators only consider how the country will be, whether problems, conflicts or protests will follow if they vote for someone to become Prime Minister. We had to look at several dimensions. These senators will make a decision in the country's best interest, Mr Kittysack said. Now another senator, Fung Korn, said that any party that wins the most seats must gather the support of 376 MPs so they can nominate a Prime Ministerial candidate and bypass the Senate. If they can also bring some other parties, such as Bum Jai Tai, into their coalition, the Senate will be rendered meaningless, he said. But if they cannot gather enough support and some senators abstain from voting, their bid to form a coalition will fail. So this, in essence, is what is going on at the moment. A lot of what I would call shenanigans. So in essence, Priot and his little buddy Prowit were hammered in the election. That's the best way to describe what happened. Putai also had a very, very bad election, just to make it very clear. They were expected to have a landslide victory, which they did not. But a week before the election, and I said it here in the show, that Move Forward Party were making gains. That the last week was seeing them soaring in opinion polls. And mainly, the main reason was they were detaching themselves from these former junta politicians. They basically said, we will not go into government with anybody who is attached to this military former government, which is why they will not talk to Bum Jai Tai either, just to make that clear. So, in essence, they received 152 seats for the parliament. That's 113 constituency and 39 list MPs. So they have 152 at the moment. Actually, it's going to be 151 because one of their Senate MPs was caught drink driving last night and she has instantly resigned. So there's going to actually be a by-election for that seat, even though it's only one or two days old. But nevertheless, we'll move on from that. And uh, Puatai have 141. And third place was the Bumjai Thai party. That's Mr. Anatan Sharvakul, the health minister, famously known for calling foreigners dirty farangs. I don't know if you remember that. Nevertheless, he got they got 70 uh, seats. And after that was the Palang Pracharat party, which were the, go- the, the current governmental party, only got 40. And uh, Priot's party came in fifth place with only 36 seats. So those two guys were basically hammered. Now, there's another one there, the Democratic Party have 25 seats. So there is a number of options here. Now, the first one is that in order for Pita to be elected as prime minister, he needs 376 votes. And that will be difficult because those senators in the in the Senate at the moment are pro-Junta. They were all put there by the Junta for this exact kind of scenario. Somebody popular who has different ideas, who's saying that the 112 law needs to be repealed, that we don't need to have a military conscription anymore, that all these things, we need to have change for this country. Now, this is the guy who's basically won. 
right? This is what they want to do. They have many ideas and they have many things they want to do while they're in government. And they want to change and put Thailand on a different path. And if you go by the election and you look at Move Forward Party and Pua Thai Party, because they are both the major opposition parties, the country has voted for change. There can be no denying what has happened in this election. So what exactly will happen when it comes to the prime ministerial vote? Well, we have a few things to get through first. So let's have a look at the timeline for everything. July 13th is the deadline for the announcement of the official results of the general election. So the election commission have approximately two months to get things done and dusted, everything in and signed off, you know, whatever. There's been a few irregularities here and there. Oh, apparently vote buying, which by the way is rampant throughout the country. And the idea that it only happens in one or two areas is ridiculous. After that then, uh, in July, following the results, the House of Representatives will select a new speaker that will be the next thing then after that in august parliament will choose a prime minister and then later after that a new cabinet is formed and the caretaker government steps down so that's basically the timeline so we're looking at a new government's probably sometime the end of august slash september it does seem a long time away that's the way things work here in thailand but we have a lot that could go on between now and then so let's look at these scenarios really quickly so Peter is the guy basically who has the right to form a new government and a coalition government as he is the clear winner of the election so what has he done so far he so far he's called up Puatai. he said look join us in the coalition and a few smaller parties who will win a couple of seats there they will have roughly 310 seats but they need another 65 for him to be voted in as prime minister now assuming everybody in the coalition vote for him which they should do he'll have 310 so he needs the 65. So where is he going to get the 65 from? Now the 250 senators that are all appointed by the military, are they really going to vote for this guy? The way they're talking already is that they're not going to. Now this is going to plunge this country into absolute chaos, I believe, because the people of this country, and by the way, in Bangkok, I think 29 out of 30 districts voted move forward party. Bangkok is orange now. Not red, not yellow shirt, it's orange. People voted for huge change, especially in Bangkok. So will people stand for this kind of shenanigans from these senators who sit there and claim they want to do the best for the government, for the country? They don't. They're there for one reason only, and that's to make sure scenarios like this don't happen. But what will happen is if they vote against and this the leader of the move forward party does not become the prime minister. I, I can see people hitting the streets, but I can see another coup down the line then. Because they're not going to stop. We saw what happened in 2019, 2020 with the student protests. This will be a hundred times worse. This will be people seeing that their votes are being upended by a bunch of old men in uniforms. And that's where this could lead to. And this for me is a very dangerous situation. But there is another scenario that could that could, in my opinion, happen. Bumjai Thai Party have 70 seats and the Democratic Party have 25. Before the election, Anutan Sharvaku clearly stated that the Senate should support whoever or is put up for vote for Prime Minister. That they have no right to stand in the way of democracy. If people have said, this is what we want, then they should not be going against it. But the chances are they are going to go against it. Now, I have a slight feeling that Anutan, he's a good wheeler and dealer and he might support Peter in this vote and if he did and if they did he would have enough votes because they have 70 seats and i think he may support them because i don't think he wants to go down the line of what's gone on over the last eight years either because i think as a politician and a human being because i don't think he's the worst of the worst i think he makes mistakes and he and he says stupid stuff but over the last year i think in some ways he has redeemed himself and he is very popular in certain parts of the country and obviously they're the you know the marijuana areas but nevertheless i think 
he might offer his support if they do not get rid of the marijuana legalization. In other words, criminalize it again. And I think this could be something he may throw out there and say to them, look, I'll happily support you so that we don't have problems in our society right now. We don't have mass protests. But in return, I want to wheel and deal with you about my policy on the decriminalization of marijuana. Don't get rid of it. We'll put some laws into place. We'll support that. And the one thing that I brought in over the last eight years when I was a minister of public health, I want kept. He may go down that aisle and he may support them. And I think the Democratic Party under Apisat, now their leader is already gone. And it looks like Apisat, who was the former leader and former prime minister, if I can remember back, he may also support them. So they may not need the Senate if things were to go smoothly. But there's a lot of wheeling and dealing to be done before then. Now, my own, I, I think it would be fantastic if they didn't need these guys in the Senate to vote. And they were able to bypass them and that would be the end of these senators because they won't be voting after this ever again. And it's time they're gotten rid of because there is no place in a democracy for 250 unelected army officials from a military coup era. None whatsoever. And that's basically what a lot of people have been saying. I mean, I, I tell you guys, you want to read about Thai politics, hop on Twitter and read the news journalists who are reporting and the Thai ones and you'll learn an awful lot about what's going on in this country. It's a fantastic kind of a tool to have. I know Twitter can be a little bit toxic at times, but for this election has been very, very, very good. But nevertheless, they are the scenarios right now. It's going to be a very, very interesting next couple of months to see where things go. My hope is that things go smoothly that the people of Thailand get what they ask for which is change and they want change from the status quo that's been going on for years and years and years and I do hope they get it because I have never seen people so optimistic about their future as they are right now and wanting things to be done differently so let's hope things are done differently and let's move along to the next story Phuket are banking on administrative reform. And this is a bit to do with uh, the Move Forward Party winning as well. Phuket tourism operators hope the right to vote for their own provincial governor will help solve prolonged local issues as the island still needs tailor-made policies to address specific problems such as the taxi mafia. The Move Forward Party, which won the majority of seats in Parliament on Sunday, has proposed administrative reform, which includes elections for provincial governors that allow people in other provinces besides Bangkok and Pattaya to choose their own governor. And it's a fantastic idea. Sukhasit Suvanakul, president of the Southern Chapter of the Thai Hotels Association, said apart from urgent measures to help relieve the cost of living burden for the public, such as high electricity bills, the new government should implement a long-term plan to tackle environmental issues in Phuket as more tourists have started to return to the island. He said solid measures to help reduce carbon emissions, such as carbon credits, which allow stakeholders to take part, could be one of the priorities that the government could and should implement to let the carbon credit market grow further. However, he said other critical problems in the area, particularly the taxi mafia, might not be easily solved unless the provinces have more authority to tackle this issue via its own elected provincial governor, who would have more power to eliminate these problems. Adopting a one-size-fits-all approach might not be appropriate, each destination has its own unique problems that centralized policies cannot fix. Phuket should have full authority in local administration because in the past there has been a lot of lost opportunities due to inappropriate regulations. For example, tourism zones such as Bangla Street, which is not a residential area in terms of locals, should be authorized to open after 2pm to stimulate spending among visitors. 
under the unelected provincial governor, they could set up regulations to ensure the safety of tourists and tackle outstanding issues such as the local mafia better than an appointed administration. Now, the chief executive of Thai Air Asia said the carrier hopes the election would end up with Thailand having an established government to drive the country forward. The most urgent agenda for the tourism industry is to rebuild confidence in terms of safety as tourists from some countries such as China have been reluctant to choose Thailand due to such problems. Mr. Santasuk said the aviation business is facing obstacles from the delayed permission for the import of aircraft, an issue the new government needs to address as soon as possible. It should accelerate the certification of more overseas maintenance, repair and overhaul stations to let local airlines have more choice when it comes to repairs as well as negotiating with other countries to increase flight quotas. And I don't think it is a bad idea to have an elected governor here in the island. Normally the governor basically comes from the government. And it's just a post. They all move around from province to province to province. This one's been here quite a while now. He's over four or five years, but it will be his time to be moved on eventually. But I think Phuket people should be allowed to choose who's going to be running the island. And I think he needs to be, he or she should be held very accountable. And I think it's 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 a very good idea in my opinion. Now, finally, and moving along, lost luggage soars with air travel revival. The rate of lost, damaged or delayed luggage nearly doubled last year as air travel rebounded and the sector faced staff shortages following the COVID-19 pandemic, a new study had found. The report issued on Tuesday by CETA, an IT provider for the air transport industry, said 7.6 bags per thousand passengers were mishandled in 2022, up from 4.35 the previous year. The surge follows more than a decade of reduction in the rate of mishandled luggage, according to CETA. In total, 26 million bags were mishandled last year, compared to 9.9 million in 2021, as the number of travellers neared pre-COVID levels, according to CETA. After a decade where the mishandling rate more than half between 2007 and 2021, it is disheartening to see this rate climbing again, said CETA Chief Executive David Lavarelle. As an industry, we need to work hard to ensure passengers are once again confident to check in their bags. Passenger air traffic soared to 3.42 billion last year, but airports and airlines have fewer staff to handle the surge after laying off thousands when the pandemic brought the sector to its knees. Air traffic had reached 4.5 billion in 2019, with a big baggage mishandling rate of 5.6 bags per thousand passengers. CETA used data from its luggage trapping software used in 2,400 airports for the study. And that's it for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in as always. Love to know what you think about all the stories we covered today down below in the comments section. And once again, have a great day, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.